If you don't got it, say, wait for me. <laughs> Somebody said, wait for me. Almost there. Almost there. Titus 3 and verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul now writing about himself. And even the apostolic possibly leadership or whoever he was referring to. But he said, for we ourselves. So this wasn't just Paul. He included other people with him. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Folks, let me tell you something. Every one of us is born with a distinct nature of sin in us that comes from our heritage. God spoke in the Old Testament. He said, I will visit sin to the fourth generation. And the reality of it is, it turns out that that tendencies, if you want to call it that, go to the fourth generation. I was born with an alcoholic predisposition. Ran in my family. How many of you have heard that said before? Drug addiction runs in the family. There is a genetic element to that, folks. It's called epigenetics. It's real. It's there. And it runs to the fourth generation. So I was born with a predisposition to being an alcoholic. And so I was very foolish when I took that first drink. For we ourselves were sometimes, sometimes means in the past, foolish. How many here, you know that, that when you stepped into something, you knew there was going to be repercussions, but you did it anyways. There was a good chance that it would have got a hold of you, but you did it anyways. If we're honest with ourselves, we've done some foolish things. He said, we ourselves were in times past. That's what that means, foolish. Disobedient. Notice he said times past, not now. Disobedient. Deceived. Deceived. And let me tell you, that's the only way Satan can get a hold of people is through deception. That's how he did it in the garden. Serving diverse lusts and pleasures. That word serving in the original Greek literally means being a slave to. Slave to diverse lusts and pleasures. If you're like me, there's been plenty of times when you looked yourself in the mirror and said you would not, you promised yourself you would not do that again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You said something, you did something. For me, it was plenty of times I woke up with a headache saying, I promised myself I wouldn't get drunk again, but I did. A slave or captive to things that we can't escape no matter how hard we try. And we might live for six months without that, that, that thing raising its head or even eight months, but typically it's just a few weeks and there you go. That's what that word means, slave serving. You're a slave to it. Diverse, different kinds of lusts and pleasure. It's a different thing for everybody. I've talked to people. Some people, it's alcohol. Some people, it's, it's greed. Some people, it's pornography. Some people, it's immorality. Some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's anger. Some, it's rage. All these types of things that people have been born into. And they're slaves to it. He said, but we ourselves, times past. We're deceived, serving diverse lusts, or being a slave in pleasures, living in malice and envy. Envy, man, that is why most people are so in debt today. Because so-and-so got something new, I got to get it new, and now people are racked up the credit card. Am I telling the truth? The average debt in America now is over $50,000 or something per family. That's crazy, and it's all based on envy. They got a new car, I got to get a new car. Yeah. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Folks, this is the human condition. If you look at that list, you can say, some of that's me. When I look at that list, I can say, some of that, that's me, was me. This is powerful. Not now. He said, in times past. Now I want you to look at verse 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. 
But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. That is God coming in the flesh. He's our Savior. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Because we can try to do everything we can that's right. And we'll still be a slave to those things that pull us down. You can't build a life on works of righteousness because it's our nature. We've got to get something beyond that. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. That word salvation literally means spiritual liberty, being set free. Life change. Dynamic life change. He saved us by the washing. This is how God did it. By the washing of regeneration. That word regeneration means new birth. That washing I'm going to talk about in a second is your water baptism in the name of Jesus. It washes things. And the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And that word renewing in the Greek means renovation. So tonight we're going to talk about inviting in the renovator. Inviting in the renovator. Let's pray. You all help me preach. We'll be done in 15, 20 minutes. And folks will be hopefully praying full of the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands. Jesus, we love you. Oh God, we need you. We know that in and of ourselves, we can't escape the things that have brought us down, that have captured us, that has held us. Lord, by your word tonight, speak to our hearts. Let us understand and let a faith rise up that yes, things can be different. Yes, we can live righteously and soberly and different in this present world. We can, we can live the life that we want to live, that we promise ourselves that we're going to live, but we keep falling by the wayside because, oh God, oh God, you're the one that can do the work. Help us, Lord. God, let our hearts be open tonight to invite in, invite in your glory and your power. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me. I stand before you as nothing. Oh, God, I'm nothing. Anoint my lips. Let everything that leads them be inspired of the Holy Ghost and do a work in the name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. You can take your seats. How are you going to help me? I want to talk about salvation. I want to talk about life change. I want to talk about what the purpose of, of Christ is. The mercy, the grace, what it was all about. It's such a tragic state today that the vast majority of religion and Christianity has no idea of what it's like to live righteously and soberly in this present world. In the particular faith that I grew up in, I was taught that we're all going to be sinners and, um, and it's just going to happen and uh, nobody, nobody can live above sin and so we're all going to suffer the consequences of sin because the reality of it is sin produces destruction in our life. That's why it's called sin. God doesn't just define things as sin just to test us and see if we will not do something even though it's good for us just to prove our love to him. No, everything that he defines as sin either destroys mind, body, soul, or society. And it's destructive. It produces destruction and it ruins our life. And, 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 and I was taught as a child that everyone is born and they're going to continue. You continue. You cannot live without sinning. But that's not what the book just said to us. It says we can live righteously and sober. And we can deny the world and deny the ungodly lust. But how do we do that? 
Let me tell you, if we tried to follow a set of rules and regulations and try to go through a program, uh, we were talking the other day, and uh, Brother Dan's going to be helping out with the Christian intervention program, but we, we talked about just having a bunch of method and rules and things you can go through. You can reverse, for example, alcoholism. Alcoholism literally turns on and turns off a whole set of genes, uh, proteins in around a part of your brain that responds or gives you pleasure and feeling of wholeness. And, and because all these things are misregulated, you, you, you actually need more and more alcohol to get what you want or that same feeling. That's the whole process of alcoholism. And when you go through a 12-step program, you can reverse that, but only about 70%. See, I was born 30% of the way there. I got, I was born with the genes turned on and turned off, that expression pattern. About 30% of the way there, so the first time I took a drink, man, it was it. Click. And so, we can go through all kinds of things uh, and processes and will and classes, and we can get it reversed to about, about, about 30%, but it's still there. That's why they say once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. How do you know this, Pastor? Because I've been reading the literature and the gene expression patterns, and they've tested them before and after the programs. And yes, those programs make a difference, but they don't make you free. And let me tell you, the best program of all, the most incredible program of all, it was more than 12 steps, it had to be a thousand of them, it was called the law. <laughs> the law of Moses, God gave humanity a set of rules and things that if they followed it, they could live a righteous life. But because we're all born in this nature and there's things that come up and grab us no matter how hard we try to resist it, the law was not sufficient. Every one of us knows what it's like to try to resist something and eventually give in and eventually get taken back by it again. Am I telling the truth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was times when I... When I threw out that pack of cigarettes, I won't go smoke again. Yes, Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes, and so we're all born in this place. And so the scripture says that God, our Savior, by his love and his mercy, he saved us. Salvation, he took us out of that horrible situation. He gives us dynamic life change, but he does it through two particular things. The Bible says he saved us. First of all, it's the work of God. I can't save you. A pope can't save you. A program can't save. Any other kind of thing in this world can't save. There's one Savior, and his name is Jesus. And when you let Jesus have his way in your life, you're going to be totally changed inside out, upside down, turn around. And it's an awesome, awesome walk when you're set free from these things that hold you. And he said that God saved us by two separate things. He said, by the washing of regeneration and the renovating in the original Greek of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you tonight as we start going down this path and hopefully we'll go quickly. But you know what? Accepting the Lord as your personal savior won't change anything. One of the most common messages today Come down to the altar and accept the Lord as your personal Savior. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's taught everywhere. Guys on television, accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Send me a hundred bucks because you just got saved. But anyways. I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. I believed on Jesus. I even went through catechism and I was confirmed. And none of that 
changed me. But there is a real salvation that changes everything. And it's through the water, the washing, and the renovation of the Spirit. You will find that God's plan of salvation, God's plan of dynamic life change, God's plan of literally changing somebody completely, literally taking out the things that they were born with, the predispositions that they were born with, Literally, dynamically changing their very heart and soul. This was started out, this plan was given to us in the first two verses of the book. Genesis 1 and 1 says, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, without form, and in darkness. That represents a soul that hasn't been dynamically changed. But then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and all of God's creative power was unleashed, and light was given, and continents were made. Everything came after that. It was a water and spirit experience. And right here, we find that God saves us the same way by the washing of rebirth or regeneration and the renovating of the Holy Ghost. Renovation of the spirit. Hallelujah. But you need both. We have to have both. This all ties, this water and spirit, this concept, what Paul just wrote here, said God saved us. God saved us. Listen, you can't save yourself. There's not one of us here that has enough uh, willpower and ability to take care of all the issues in our life. And, and let me tell you, some of those issues you were born with, and some of those issues were pumped into you by things that happened to you. But there's a God in heaven that can take care of that. And he wants to. He really wants to. The Bible says it's not his will that any should perish. God is not happy with his children suffering. God is not happy with people literally being bound. He wants everyone to experience this, this powerful experience of change. But it's by water and spirit. And this is the message again from the beginning. And that's why Jesus told a good righteous Jew... This man didn't follow a 12-step program. Nicodemus followed the 1,012-step program. He kept all the law. He was a righteous Jew. He was a Pharisee. And Jesus told him in modern-day vernacular, Nicodemus, your religion, the religion that I authored, by the way, the religion that I gave you that came to Moses, that's not enough. You've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit. You need both, both experiences. You need a water experience and you need a spirit experience. Absolute necessity. The scripture says that he saved us by the washing of regeneration. Peter put it this way. The very first time someone ever asked, what do I need to do to be saved? Peter stood up with the apostles and he said, repent. The first thing is you got to want it. Hallelujah. The first thing is you've got to be willing to give everything to God. You've got to put all that stuff away behind you. You've got to say, God, I'm tired. Show me what your will is. Change me according to your will. I knew I had sin in my life when I went to the altar that night. God, the smoking's killing me. The drinking's killing me. The cussing's killing me. The perverted jokes are wrong. Oh, God, forgive me and change me. And then I gave everything to God. I said, God, anything that's in my life that's not your will, I want it out. That's repentance. Repentance isn't Jesus, forgive me today so I can do it again tomorrow and come back next week and say, forgive me all over again. But he said, repent. And then he said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's the water. This is the water that he talked about, the washing of Regeneration. If you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, I would not wait a minute 
In fact, if there's someone watching on, 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 on Facebook, you text me and you'll, we'll make sure you get baptized tonight if needs be. That is the message. Water baptism is where God washes us. It's called the washing of rebirth. But Peter said, you're baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. He did not say you're baptized in the name of Jesus as an outward profession of inward faith. He did not say you're baptized in the name of Jesus to identify with Christ's burial. He said you're baptized in the name of Jesus for the release from the bondage of sin. That's the original Greek. When you're water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and that name is called over you, there's power. There's blood. There's blood, that bloodline, that blood that remits it. It's there. You're covered. Without the name of Jesus, there is no blood there. That's why Satan had the name of Jesus taken out in the year 240 by a Greek philosopher named Tertullian. He took the name of Jesus out and put Father, Son, Holy Ghost there. And all of a sudden, the baptism that had the power to set men free became a baptism that had only the power to make men wet. Hallelujah. And so you're baptized in Jesus' name, and that's awesome. That is wonderful. Your sins are remitted. God washes all your past away and you're covered. You have a covering of the blood of Christ that carries you through. And chains are broken. That word remission literally means the breaking of the chains of sin. When I was baptized, rebaptized, because the first time wasn't in the name of Jesus. And I went down in that water smoking two packs a day. That addiction, that change. He said we were slaves. Paul said in times past, not now. We were slaves, servants to, to, to verse lusts and pleasures. I was a slave to tobacco. I was a slave to alcohol. And when I got down in that water in Jesus' name, that slavery had to let go. I came out of that water and never desired a cigarette again, never desired alcohol again. It was instantaneous because there's power. There's absolute power in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What concerns me is when folks have that experience, they don't get the other half. He said he saved us by the washing of regeneration and uh, the renovation of the Holy Ghost. A renewal in the renovation in the Greek. You see, you see, we need more than just to be cleaned up. Because when you get baptized, you're basically going back to a state of innocence in a very real sense. You're clean before God. But if you don't get renovated on the inside, friend, you're going to go right back to the same pit you came out of. And that's why he said that he saved us through the washing. We need the washing. If you're not baptized tonight, I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't wait another second. I would, I would, I would run and get in that tank right now. Practically. But he said the renovation, that's the second part. And what I, what, what, I, what I fear quite often is that people get content because they know their sins have been washed. And they're beginning to live a good life. But it's not by works of righteousness that we have done. You see, you can be baptized and you can have chains broken and you can sit on a Pentecostal pew and you can even learn the music and you can learn all the things and you can start living a pretty clean life. Hallelujah. But you've got to have more than that because eventually that thing within you that only God can deal with, eventually it's going to come back out and take you back out. You've got to be renovated. You've got to be renovated. And there's only one thing that renovates that can renovate us. And that's the renovator and that's the Holy Ghost. So he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. When you're baptized, that's phenomenal. 
When you're baptized, that's phenomenal. But let me tell you, there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. That's the beginning part. Then we need the renovator. The renovator. How many here are you seeing a house renovated? Do you just paint the outside? No. Yes, love. You don't just paint the outside, do you? No. But that's what modern Christianity does. Paints the outside Christian between 10 and 12 on Sunday morning, and then by the time Tuesday night's going around, they're cursing each other. Yeah. They're telling the truth? Yeah. But let me tell you, even if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, hear me now. God washes away all the sin, and you might even start developing a pretty outside, but you've still got to work on the inside. Yes. Can I ask you a question? If you paid somebody $25,000 to renovate your house, would you lock the doors to the house and not let them inside? But that's what we often do. We won't let God into those secret places in our heart. We won't let God take control. We won't let God go in and begin to tear out things that need to be torn out. You have got to invite the renovator in. But when he gets in there, oh, what a change. Book of Jeremiah wrote, uh, the prophet Jeremiah said this in the book of Jeremiah 17 and 7. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by waters and that spreadeth out the roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh. But her leaf shall be green and shall, not, and shall not be careful in the year of drought. Neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I think that is a very excellent uh, hope for every one of us. Every one of us wants to be like that tree that's planted by the water and can go through every drought and every storm and every situation and be fruitful. And be fruitful. And the Bible says, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. But look at verse 9. is this incredible warning in the midst of that great promise. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? You see, when you get baptized in Jesus' name, you're dealing with your past sin and God is giving you liberty. But there's a heart inside of you that needs to be changed. And that's done by the renovator. If you were to pay $10,000 for somebody to renovate your house and you get by your house every day and you never saw them working on the inside, you never heard any noise coming from the inside, you never heard any hammers, uh, you knew you would know your house is not being renovated. Can I tell you, you have got to let the renovator in to finish the work. Don't be satisfied with being washed. Don't be satisfied with just an experience that gives you an outside change. You need an inside change. And the only way that can happen is when you let God's spirit, he said he renovates us. You let God's spirit, the Holy Ghost, move inside your soul. He said the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who could know it and so we can even believe we're trusting in the lord but totally be totally be on our own and i'm telling you god wants to move inside of us proverbs chapter 4 and 23 keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life out of it are the issues of life can i tell you it's a heart thing water baptism does not renovate your heart that's the work of the holy ghost And you need to be filled with the Spirit. 
And it's dynamic. It's wonderful. It's powerful. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Look what the scripture tells us about the heart. In the book of Matthew, chapter 15, Jesus began to respond to uh, some Pharisees. They began to ask him, why don't your disciples, why don't your disciples wash their hands before they eat? Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, 15 and 1 of Matthew. Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And Jesus gets into a long discourse with them about them making up their own rules. And then the disciples were trying to understand what he was saying. And they asked him in verse 16 now, for time's sake, he said... And Jesus said, are you also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth out into the belly and cast out into the draw? He said, he said what you put in your mouth is not going to ruin you. See, what those, those Jews began to teach was that, that if you touch something considered ceremonially unclean, and then you handled food and ate it, then you would be unclean. It would contaminate you. For example, in the Jewish law, there were certain things you couldn't touch. You couldn't touch a dead body. You couldn't, you couldn't do this. You couldn't touch pork. And all these types of things and laws and ceremonial law and dietary law. And so they began, to, they began to teach. Now we're living in Jerusalem. There's Romans here. It's all covered with Greeks. And you don't know what that pot you just picked up over there in that store. It might have been handled by, by a Roman soldier that just ate a pork sandwich and now it's unclean if you touch that and then you eat you're going to bring uncleanness into your body they got into all this kind of crazy stuff and jesus said don't you understand what you put in your mouth doesn't make you unclean he said but look what he said did not yet do not ye yet understand that whatsoever enter in at the mouth goeth into the belly and cast out in the draught but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. Yeah. Yeah. Because the heart's wicked. It's yeah, deceitful. And when we get baptized in Jesus' name, and God washes us and cleanses us from our sin, which is wonderful, we still got heart issues to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And there's only one way for those heart issues to be dealt with, and that is the renovation of the Holy Ghost. It concerns me deeply when I see Christians begin to use language they shouldn't use. Something's wrong. Yeah. This makes sense? Yeah. Begins to tell jokes they shouldn't be telling. There's something wrong. And what comes out of your mouth defines really where your heart is at. He said the things that come out of your mouth. Look what he said. He continues. He says, for out of the heart. Proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. Jesus began to speak to these folks. And he said, listen, what comes out of your heart. This is the stuff that's defiling you. And let me tell you, water baptism alone doesn't deal with the heart issue. You've got to let the renovator come in. Think about this. An unholy heart will speak unholy things. Yeah. Guess what a holy heart will do? And the first thing that holy heart's going to speak 
is holy things in a language. I'm going to show you that you don't understand. Pretty, pretty easy to tell when a person has an unclean heart because what comes out of their mouth. Let me tell you the sign that God decided and used to show that people, show supernaturally that the renovator is in the heart, is that they begin to speak holy things in languages they don't understand. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, the prophet spoke again about the water and a spirit experience. I want you to look with me there in Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I'll take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Will I cleanse you? That's what water baptism does. That's the first half. But you've got to be born of water and of the spirit. I'm going to cleanse you. But look at verse 26. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. Those are connected together. And I will take away that stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Hallelujah. The prophet also said, I'm going to take my laws and literally write them in your heart. Amen. Listen, folks, God has an experience for you. That dynamically changes your heart. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we struggle with the heart. We struggle with things that we shouldn't be struggling with. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we're full of the spirit, we don't struggle with those things anymore. The renovator. The renovator. The spirit of God is what renovates our very soul, renovates our heart. God spoke to us and said, I am going to wash you. And that is awesome. That is awesome. But he also said, I am going to give you a new heart. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, not on. Let me tell you, your experience with God has to get beyond skin deep. It's got to get beyond a surface experience. How many here you have felt the presence of God? How many here you've gotten the goosebumps? You know it's the power of God. You feel God's glory. But God can't write in your heart until you let him into your heart. That I'm going to write my law in your heart. Hallelujah. You've got to get beyond just feeling God. We've got to get beyond being, uh, being, well, being just washed. Washed in the blood of the Lamb is awesome, but there, there's so much more that God wants to do. He transforms us, transforms the heart, and that comes by the Spirit. It comes by the Spirit, and it's a work of God. How many here have seen a house renovated overnight? Just, just one day, that's it. It's all it took. No. 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 It takes time, doesn't it? Yeah. Depending how bad the house is. <laughs> I've seen some houses that might take 10 years. Hey, aren't you glad that God doesn't look at your house, your temple, and say, you know what? Just tear it down completely or we'll build something else. Yeah, that's right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Since we're doing in Tampa now, they're tearing, tearing down the old houses and building up brand new structures. But, you know, God won't do that with you. You got to invite him in. 
You've got to get beyond just feeling his glory. It's got to be in you. Listen, out of the mouth comes what's in from what's in the heart. It goes to your mouth. And that's why God chose you speaking in tongues as the sign that the renovator is in the house. Again, if somebody was having a house renovated, I guarantee you, you would hear noise coming from the inside. Right? And when the renovator's in your soul, the very first sign is going to be that you speak in tongues. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, in verse number 11, God spoke about this. We're almost done. Told you I'd be short. I want some folks to get the Holy Ghost tonight. There's some folks here in this place. It's been, you've been here. You're growing. I think that's wonderful. Your life is changing. I think that's awesome. You have found some liberty that came because you were washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's what it does. It breaks chains. And that's awesome. But you need the heart transformation. You've got to get the renovator on the inside. You know, there's a common saying that they put out all the time, no regrets. How many would like to live a life with no regrets? You can. Hear me now, you can. When you let the renovator deal with all those issues in your heart that cause the regrets. But you've got to invite him in. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock if you will open the door. But let me tell you, it's a wide open door. It's giving God access and control. In the book of Isaiah 28, when God began to speak of this new covenant and the Messiah, he's a messianic prophet. Here he talks about this power of the spirit for with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. You see, it's pretty hard to control that bad heart, isn't it? It's pretty difficult to deal with those things in the heart that you know are there. And you can pinpoint, some of us, we can pinpoint where those things got there. How many here, you're like, I can't believe I did just what my father did. <laughs> I said I'd never do that as a kid, and now I'm doing it. <laughs> Is I'm telling the truth? Yeah. And there's things in there, but there's a God in heaven that wants to go in and change those things. Hallelujah. Power of the Spirit, but you've got to let him in. Let's stand to our feet. He said, this is the rest wherewith he'll cause the weary to rest. You know, in the book of Acts, we find Jesus with his disciples. He had taught them for three and a half years. They had seen him now resurrected. He opened up their understanding and he began to tell them, listen, you need to wait in Jerusalem until you get the power of the Spirit. You've got to have this anointing on the inside. It's going to deal with heart issues. And if you study the lives of these disciples as they came from the day of Pentecost, you will find that God transformed them more and more over time through the Spirit. It's a process, but it's all on the inside. James said this, he said, listen, he said, listen, we, we take a horse and we control where it goes by putting a little bit in its mouth. And then he said, a big ship can be controlled just by the little tongue in the back. He actually wrote this. He said, oh, that little tongue can cause a big fire. 
Out of the heart. What comes out of the heart. But when your heart gets right, and when your heart has God's power in it, guess what? You're going to speak in a heavenly language showing that God has control. God can control your tongue. Don't you think he's got control of the rest? To cause the weary to rest. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, listen, don't start this thing until you get the power of the spirit. And so 120 were waiting in the upper room for the power of the spirit. It's remarkable. We find in the scriptures who are, who's there. Many of them, brothers and sisters of Christ and the apostles. And the Bible tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And Mary Magdalene was there. On one side, you've got a woman who has such a close relationship with God. She was chosen, chosen to carry the Christ child. But Mary herself said, I thank God my Savior. Mary knew that she had heart issues. She needed the same Holy Ghost as Mary Magdalene, the woman that had seven devils and lived a life of prostitution. So think about this. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, needed the same renovator as Mary Magdalene did. None of us are too good for this, and none of us are too bad for this. We all need the baptism of the Spirit. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and they're praying now. It's probably about five to six days that they've been waiting for this Spirit, this anointing, this power. I can imagine in my mind, I mentioned that today in, in Spanish service, I can imagine Mary and Mary were together. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene were probably the two closest to Jesus. My guess is they're together up there. And I can see Mary Magdalene going to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Man, I really need to go to the bathroom. And, and Mary's going, no, we can't leave. The Spirit's going to come. And they're waiting there for like six or seven days. But they knew they needed this power of God waiting and they're anticipating and uh, and some of us will come to an altar and spend three minutes I want the Holy Ghost and after three minutes we're ready to go how many here you're willing to wait with me and pray with me until these two are filled with the Holy Ghost if you guys are willing to pray we're willing to pray with you because you got to have the renovator. Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't try to start this thing until you're filled with the Spirit. The Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. A supernatural sign that God's Spirit was poured out in that room. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. I guarantee you, every one of them felt the mighty power of God. Goosebumps from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. But that's not, that's not the same as being filled with the Spirit. And you have to invite Him in. When you start feeling the power of God on you just like they felt there, you have to invite God in. Say, God, renovate my soul. Renovate my heart. Then verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Hear me now. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. How do you know that somebody got the Holy Ghost? 
their mouth is going to speak in other tongues. It's supernatural. Hallelujah. See, if I've never spoken in tongues, have I not been filled with the Holy Ghost? That's exactly right. If you have never spoken in tongues, you have not been ever filled with the Spirit. Does that mean you don't have a relationship with God? Of course not. You're on your path. You're on your way. But you do need to be filled with the Spirit. The renovator. And you have to invite him in. Come on. If you want God to fill you with the Spirit tonight, I want you to be in this altar. Come on. Don't be afraid. God, I, I need the Holy Ghost. This is what changes us from the inside out. Modern Christianity tries to change us from the outside in. It doesn't work. You've got to be changed from the inside out. And only God can renovate the heart and the soul. But let me tell you, that's God's work. That's what he does. That's why he went to Calvary. That's his purpose. To step inside of our soul and clean out clean out the dry rot and clean out the mold and clean out the bad wood and take care of the wiring that's wrong and all those things that we were born with all that stuff we can't seem to control hallelujah he's the renovator he saves us by the washing yes but you've got to be filled with the spirit